0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Yes, yes, yes. And welcome back to the Fresh Arsenal podcast with me, PB. And with him, PB. (laughs) Didn't work. One job. One job today. We've got JB back with us. Um, it's the originals, I guess. It's just me and JB. Um, if you're if you listen from episode yeah, one, have, you'll know
0: the others have gone. We've decided they were all mainly pet. Carl's all right. Um, pets useless. There was no pet pull. he promised us the hashtag pet pull, Um, but he's he's increased our our weekly audience by I think three. So think far, it it's, it's like the Willie pool that we were promised in the summer. We paid some agent like millions of pounds to sign him up to the pod. Um and, and he's keeping, you know, more talented younger podcasters at bay. But we can't get rid of him now. Yeah. So me and
1: JB obviously are talking on the back of Arsenal's convincing, which we've not been able to say many times this season, win against Sheffield United. Obviously Drubbing. Drubbing. Bottom of the Premier League with 14
0: points or something ridiculous but hang on hang on Ollie, let's do it properly right they were and let's not downplay this 2018 2019 league winners well when you've got to look for positives
1: we'll we'll, we'll dig that far um, and we'll take it
0: but um, you yeah, know we're going to touch on sorry that. they I was wrong they came second I actually checked that Norwich came first anyway league runner, league runners up it's very Very small straws
1: we can clutch at them. (laughs) So we're going to look briefly back at that game um, and also look ahead to what I feel like we've said a few times this season, but the biggest game of Arsenal season to date um, on Thursday against Slavia Prague. Um, Let's get straight into the game yesterday then. So when the lineup came out, I think pretty much everyone presumed uh, Bukai Osaka was going to be trialled at left back for the game Mm -hmm. Um, and then from how we actually lined up at kickoff it was sort of instantly uh, visible that uh, Saka was going to play that more central role and actually Granit Xhaka was lining up at left back Johnny take me back to your pre-match thoughts Um, when you saw that lining up at the start did it strike fear into you or or were you was it more of an intrigue uh, or
0: excitement even so, I would say that pre-match, I'll be I'll be honest, I didn't think, well, I mean, I looked, I tried to figure out what it was, and my assumption was it was Saka at left back with, like, a flat midfield three of Jacker, mm. Partey, and Ceballos. Maybe Ceballos, like, nominally is a 10. And then a front three of Martinelli, Pepe, and, and Lacazette, which was, like, you know, not a huge move from our traditional system. Or, or I say traditional, our recent system. Um, I know people have been advocating Saka at left back, probably would have rested him if we could, but yeah, that's what I thought. Um I missed the first two minutes of the game, but I saw on Twitter everyone going on about Jacker at left back. And it was, you know, I started watching and it was like, Is he I mean, yes, he played left back, but also like if there was a left back. I don't know if he played a role that was like enormously different from like a left-sided defensive midfielder Mm. and he had like Sabio's in front of him to the left and that was like the cover that allowed Martinelli to basically attack and press without worrying um I mean there's a lot to unpick right Mm. Uh, we can get into it but yeah like I didn't really guess what the plan was I don't think anyone could have no. um And I was intrigued as it as it un- unfurled. I think we can get into actually what it ended up being because mm. clearly Arteta is basically pioneering some kind of left hand side and right hand side system mm. rather than like your traditional symmetrical one.
1: Yeah, and I think it was um it was interesting, obviously, what happened at left back, and I personally would have liked to see Saka. I was one of the few that. Um, would have liked to see Saka sort of trialed there ahead of Thursday. Um but I think what was interesting is not just what he did at left back but also that in Smith Rowe's and Odegaard's absence perhaps he thought he couldn't afford to not have you know someone like Saka in that um central attacking midfield role. Obviously I think many people thought Willian might um, might start there when they saw Smith Rowe and Odegaard were out but I think it was A positive to see him select, you know, someone more of the Saka Smith Rowe ilk um, in that position, and that that was reassuring. And you know, it bared fruit. We we played some fantastic football in that first half with Saka playing big parts uh, in the link up. And I mean, this guy's so versatile. Um, you know, obviously, he's he's lacking a bit in in final product at the moment, but you can drop him on the right, the left, in the middle, and obviously, he's been talked at a left back. I mean. Was that as far, that's
0: five um, positions he's played for us now, right? Mm, so he's played a, right, central, left, attacking mid. He's played as a left wing-back and a left-back. Has he played as an eight? Or am I making that up? I think maybe in-game at some point,
1: but not from the start. But, it, um, what I
0: would say is it's a bit, un, you know, he probably needs to improve his game to be able to play at centre-back in the long run and maybe right-back eventually. Mm, he's, not, he's not quite got it all yet. <laughs> I'm probably
1: centre-forward, but saying that, I mean, in, in, in certain styles of play, could probably be a link-up uh, link forward, but um, yeah, just fantastic that I mean, he can be trusted to be slotted into so many positions and mm. just plays with such maturity all across the pitch. Um, he's a fantastic asset, even when he's not uh, finishing what we'd like him to do in front of goal. I think we need to uh, just appreciate really what he offers to us and how much he can be relied upon and trusted by Arteta. Um, I think that's fantastic. But let's get into the left-back uh, situation. So we're going to try and answer as many questions as we can that people have sent in um, to us at Fresh Arsenal Pod on Twitter. And uh, we were going to talk about left-backs anyway, but we had a couple of couple of questions. So Isaac uh, sent in a question. Pros and cons of sticking with Shaka at left-back. In the same setup for the rest of the Europa League campaign. So let's start with that then, uh, JB. So Shaka, this is the first time we've seen him start in a in a traditional left back role. As you sort of alluded to, he he does sort of vacate similar positions in, in build-ups, um, and he's gone to left back a couple of times in game. Um, but do you think this is a realistic option for us? And what are the pros and cons if Shaka was to sort of play in the more high-profile Europa League games.
0: Um, I, look, I'm I'm a bit confused on this, right? Because like I'm not well. I definitely disagree that this was the traditional left back role,
1: mm.
0: and I'm not sure. Like I don't think you can you can take it in isolation, because I think this is a system like. To me, this is a system change, um, as much as like you know, we haven't just shifted Jacker to left back in a four two three one. Mm. So I don't, I don't necessarily. So, what do you mean by that? You mean uh, sobios How sobios's game changed in front of him? Well, look at I've just sent you Jacker's pass maps from from yesterday and and from from Sunday and and from the West Ham game. Mm. And basically, yeah, there are more passes yesterday from the traditional left-back slot, right? But yeah. basically, the rest of the pass map is the same. It's an area he's comfortable in from the build-up, I think. That look, I mean, look, away. Sheffield United, 3-0 away, 74 of 78 passes, right? Mm. West Ham, 3 all away, 74 of 80 passes. He's basically playing the same game. Hmm. And he's he's played a few more passes from like the deeper left back position, probably in build up, and he's popped up less on the right. But, but what I like, I think you just have to kind of compartmentalize. I think defensively he tucked in there, and actually maybe that suits him because there's nothing behind him, and if there's nothing behind him, we we know Jacker is safest when he's not turning round, right? And mm, um, game in front of him, and then with the ball. We kind of built up with a back three didn't we we had jacker on the left um cha- uh, chambers marie in the middle and uh holding on the right and what that also allowed because marie's left footed is marie could occupy that um like that left space at times chambers would tuck in and jacker mm-hmm. would push up so it kind of shuffles like a like a horseshoe or whatever you want to call it like a pendulum yeah um, it did feel so- like
1: a bit of a halfway house didn't it between our current system and and the back five that we worked in because Shaka did drop pretty deep when we were playing with that back five.
0: I think and, so. Saka was the wing back and, and pushing on. Yeah. Do you remember not even the well, well, the back five yes, but also Arteta's like the first iteration of Arteta's system where jacker did literally when Saka was the left back, mm. when jacker literally started yeah. in the field and would tuck in when we went forward. It yeah. felt more like going back to that. Mm. Um But the reason I don't really view it as just Jacker at left-back is because you then had other stuff going on, right? You had Ceballos in like a a left midfield, a left attacking midfield space. Mm. And you had um, Saka as a 10. And then like the Pepe Lacazette thing was a bit normal. But you also had like a left-hand side. You had Partey basically in the middle on his own. Mm. And then you had a left-hand side, right-hand side team where you had like the left-hand side was Ceballos Martinelli and um, it must have been um, Lacazette. Lacazette, was, that, Lacazette yeah. was on the left, wasn't he? Yeah. And the right-hand side, you had Saka, Pepe, and Chambers. Yeah. And it was like we'd we'd attack down one side, and we have three people making triangles, and then whoever was on like nominally the other side, someone would be in the middle, and the others would, would get into the box. Hmm. Um. So i know i haven't answered the question but i don't necessarily think the question is the question to answer because i think this is more arteta adapting the system to make up for the fact we don't just have an overlapping left-footed left back now Mm. and this is this is the result sure so so that takes us
1: into another question we've got actually from the jeff at i'm the jeff uh, he says, granted it was Sheffield United, but is the way Arteta used Xhaka Sabayos a blueprint for the rest of the season in the absence of Tierney? So, you know, he's not calling Xhaka a left back, but he's saying, you know, that setup and that approach, is that something you would look to to use again in
0: other games? Uh well, would I would I look to use it? I think it was interesting. Um I preferred I prefer, like, systems that work for the players in them. Like, you, usually my view is, like, have a way of playing and pick, like, the players most suited to it. And mm-hmm. if they're your weaker players, so be it. I'd rather have styles that suit a system. Like, yeah. rather than randomly changing your system based on which players play, I think you've got to just stick to your way of playing. But the I would say is that we, we when, when the left-back is we exactly right. So when mm. when the left back is so crucial to it, mm. then you need to adapt. Yeah, uh, and that's where I am. I, I I do think that there's a decent chance he like it's risky to deploy this against a better team. Mm. I still think I'm going to stick to it. Sheffield United are better than Slavia Prague. Slavia Prague are terrible. You won't you won't silence me on this. They're awful. They're the worst team I've ever seen, and we should have beaten them five nil. Um, I. I have a feeling he will go back to Cedric at left back, mm. because it's safe, right? And I think also this was a response to not having. Smith Is it safe? God. Was it safe last
1: Thursday? <laughs> um,
0: I, I I I think so because I think the right people in that system, we win that game so easily. Mm. So take about, and, to- and I think we nearly won that game easily anyway. Yeah, um, and I think. Yeah, like, I mean, you put Aubameyang Angle, Martinelli instead of Willian and they can't sit on the halfway line against us and we put 20 goals past them. But it so, looked awkward, right, on Thursday. It looked awkward um, with how we had it set up in the back. And, it did, but but I think by definition, a system that has Willian in it is awkward. Hmm. And Willian, and, you know, it's like, as we've said, right, individual players are fine. Like, sorry, any, any individual player on our squad is fine. But when you start putting them together, like, you know, Cedric's fine on his own. William's fine on his own. Lacazette's fine on his own. It's the combination of Cedric, William, Lacazette, etc., in a team, just mm. starts to compound. Yeah, I think you're right. And um, you know, I sort of said it on
1: the last podcast. And the, the problems we're facing now is Arteta scrambling for solutions because we don't have a direct replacement to to Tierney, mm. and we don't have a direct replacement to Louise. And we're having to adjust our system, which is far from ideal at this stage of the season. And we're, we're trying out things like it's a pre-season game. Uh, and admittedly, it was sort of play, played like a pre-season game against Sheffield United. But you shouldn't be doing that at this stage of the system. So we're getting punished for our, our bad squad building. Um, and we're having to find solutions because we place too much reliance on Tierney. I think just, just quickly for Isaac, I think you know the, the clear positives of having Jack at left back for me are uh, you could get another midfielder in so even if he's playing in that sort of left back slash left central midfield space you can then get Sabah sitting ahead of him um, to combine with him so from a build-up point of view he's a lot stronger on the ball than any of our other mm. options in terms of you know Cedric there anyway um, so that's definitely a positive I think what what a lot of people are overlooking is Sheffield United obviously played wing-backs. Our wingers, we played a lot in wide areas. Our wingers were really pushing their wing-backs back. So for both Shaka and Chambers, they both had really good games because they had nothing coming back the other way at all. And they, they had quite a lot of space every time they got the ball. You know, Xhaka against a quick winger and a team that's piling the pressure on us in a Europa League semi-final, if we got there, That's a completely different question.
0: So do you think, I mean, obviously the way, you know, the way to play against a team with wing-backs is you basically, you pull the centre-backs out of position, right? hmm. You basically drag the centre-backs out and you you then go in through the middle. Do you think this three on, like three on the left, three on the right was specifically engineered to beat a wing-back system?
1: I think if you look at the, the patterns of play for a lot of Arteta's system, he he does a lot out wide in every game. He's never really been a through the middle kind of man. And he, even with Odegaard, people say, oh, we've suddenly got a threat through the middle, but he he takes a space on the right-hand side, really. Um, mm. So I, I think it's more Arteta's philosophy is, is very much a wide approach and, and combinations in wide areas. Um, but yeah, I mean, it certainly works very well in this game. In terms of the, in terms of could this work further forward for me and in other games, I think it could. But I think instead of Martinelli on the left, you need to have Saka as that left midfielder. And once we've got Odegaard or Smith Rowe back to to play in the number ten, you could do that. So I'd have a Martinelli from the bench and Saka. Uh, in the left midfield role so that just when you're being attacked you've got Saka tracking back a bit and, and giving Shaka a bit more protection.
0: and um, so in I just that way, can't see Saka playing on the left. I like I understand I know I know it's clearly an option he's been there before, but it just seems inevitable that he's going to be in the middle or on the right. But I think as much as everyone
1: loves Martinelli of Pepe, if they're all fit Pepe, Smith-Rowe, Odegaard, Martinelli. I think you... Well, I'd I definitely have Pepe, Odegaard and, and Smith-Rowe ahead of Martinelli in bigger games at the moment. You know, Martinelli's a great option from the bench and against the likes of Sheffield United, but I think when we want to retain possession and, and dominate teams, I'd rather have those other players. So, to get them all in and to, to compensate for the, the problems at left-back... Mm. I think Jacques, uh, Saka going on the left does make sense, and I don't think Arteta will hesitate to move him around again. Because
0: I mean, what he if, hadn't played much centrally before Sunday? What if you just you just use Saka in in that Sabios role and keep Martinelli or Aubameyang? Because mm. then you've got you've got a natural left footer out there. You've got someone who's technically secure enough to play kind of as a wide eight or as a central midfielder, whatever you want to call it and you still give Martinelli that protection. I mean, we've seen Saka and Martinelli. Com- I mean, well, actually, I'm answering my own question, right? Because that, that's exactly what Arteta did when he joined, isn't it? When we saw Martinelli and, and Saka combining so well, it was exactly that, where Saka was nominally the left-back, but he got really high up the pitch and jacka dropped in. Like, on paper, it's not the same, but in-game, that's basically what we were doing.
1: Yeah, I think it would work. I don't think Arteta's brave enough to to select that team. And select Saka in that role but just going back to what you said earlier in terms of it giving the space to Partey in the middle I just wanted to add that I think every time Partey's sort of been given the middle to himself we've seen the best of him mm. um, whether that second half against West Ham where we played with sort of two eights ahead of him and he had that whole base um, or in the Sheffield United game he was very good yesterday and I think maybe he's more accustomed to to sort of
0: bossing it on it on his own in in that heart of midfield. Um, he is a big spaces player as well, right? Like you almost want to you want to clear everyone else out from and away from him, mm. so that you know it. You can't let the ball roll and beat someone with your hips if there's someone else two two meters behind, right? Mm. You you kind of want you need to give him that space to be able to express himself and run away from people. Otherwise, you're almost reducing the the impact. Like, you've got small spaces players, you've got big spaces players, and and I do feel like party's a big spaces player.
1: Mm. Mm. So yeah, I think that's interesting. So the effect it has on not just party but other players across the pitch when you when you shift people around uh, is interesting to observe as well and consider when Alteta makes his decisions. Um, you know, lots of positive things about the game. Uh, we talked about how we handled the situation on the left side. Lacazette putting the miss behind him on Thursday with, with two very clinical finishes. It uh, felt like he'd just been practising finishing for five hours a day since since Thursday.
0: Because um, he struck them with confidence, didn't he? But um, Well, I think there were two mitigating factors, right? The first one was he didn't have to run half the pitch to shoot. Hmm. Um, and he didn't, which was tough, to tough for the fittest of us.
1: Yeah. Didn't you feel, especially for the second one, even the first one, you felt he could have got a bit closer to the goal before shooting? Mm. And it felt like he'd,
0: you know, he's trying to take less touches. Um, yeah. So that I mean, he's is, thinking that comp- less. is that confidence? It's got to be. I mean, like, do you think if he hasn't scored the first, he does that? Because that second one, yeah, he took early and from far out, but it wasn't. Yeah. It looked like he just knew he'd score. Yeah. He, looked, he just hit it very well. And he gave the keeper the eyes, didn't he? Because
1: the keeper yeah. went It was a very her. similar situation to Thursday, wasn't it? So I think he probably played that situation yeah. over and over again in his head. And he found himself in a similar position. And he did exactly what he would have liked to do on Thursday. But
0: um, On Thursday, the keeper was wearing a scary mask as well, which which <laughs> is unfair and probably, you know, don't have nightmares, but it wasn't enjoyable to look at.
1: And he did have to run further on Thursday, admittedly. Poor guy. But um, amongst the other positives then in that game, JB, I'm going to ask you for your biggest plus point from the game. What what was the most exciting? The Sheffield United game?
0: Yeah. Um, The biggest plus point, I want you to guess, because I think you will be able to guess. It was an individual player. Who, I think you're gonna say Nicholas Pepe's link-up play. Uh, everything about him. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, I uh, poor guy. Like, what, what does he need to do? He's just mm. our most dangerous player whenever he plays. And I said it on the on the spaces yesterday. By the way, if you haven't tuned into our spaces, tune into our Twitter spaces post game every game mm. where it's like a radio show. Really, we'll get you on um some of you can talk nonsense some of you can make sense and we won't laugh at you um but what I said there was like you know there's this myth I think it's a myth that that Arteta doesn't rate Pepe because everyone's like oh he doesn't get to play against the, the easy teams but it's like well okay the inverse of this is Arteta's picking Pepe for every big game against every difficult team you don't do that if you don't rate someone um And in all those games, when he comes off the bench, whether he starts, like, he just causes problems. And whether it's Pepe or Martinelli, I stick to my tried and tested view on football, which is pick the players the other team doesn't want to play against. And Pepe is absolutely one of those. Mm. He did it again yesterday. He made a goal. he, He won the ball back with a press, right? Or whatever you call it. It was an interception. He got on it. It was a bit of a pause when he was trying to figure out what to do. And he went at them. Um, I mean, you can talk to your coaching point on Pepe, right? But, like, he went at them. he he did his trademark shot round, like – I don't know if you've seen the angle from behind the goal of the Martinelli goal, but Pepe didn't just, like, place it into the corner. You can see the bend – like, he plays it along the ground, but there's so much bend on it, you can see it starts off going wide, and he still gets so much whip with his foot, the inside of his foot, that Mm. he's bent it round the defender which I think is one of the reasons that Ramsdale spills it on top of Ramsdale being rubbish. Um, but it was brilliant. And I'm just really happy for Pepe. I hope he plays every game, not just from a tactical perspective. I enjoy watching him. And yeah, that was my, that was my big plus.
1: Yeah. I agree. And a Clean
0: sheet. I will put that in there, but I don't really care as long as we win.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A clean sheet. I think psychologically is a big positive, but yeah, um... I agree on Pepe and I spoke to a few people post-match and he, he still divides opinion. But I think, I know we bang the Pepe drum on this podcast or, or me and JB do anyway. And um, But I think there is a bit of bias in Arsenal fans at the moment. Everyone loves Martinelli because he's not played. And um, and we, we all remember the Chelsea goal and some electrifying moments. But Pepe, I think, had a better game than Martinelli uh, yesterday. And I don't think that's been reflected in how people have judged the game. But I think Pepe's link-up play has really come on. And, you know, his ball retention has improved. I think his pass accuracy was high 80s yesterday, which is one of the highest I've seen him have. Um, And, yeah, he's got better in different zones of the pitch. We've always said he's been pretty good in that final third. But I felt that he was uh, getting in better combinations deeper.
0: Um, And, yeah. Definitely deserves
1: a bit of praise for that performance.
0: That was the Pepe segment brought to you by Nicola Pepe. We have to disclose the fact he pays us. <laughs> we do need a jingle for
1: for his segment. One day when we've got more budget for the show. Anyway, moving on to the next question. We've got a question from Hannahs, uh, who's actually been on our live phone-in spaces a couple of Is he of times.
0: a fresh Arsenal pod superfan? I think he might be.
1: He might, he might be a superfan. His question is, would you trust the exact same eleven that started against Sheffield United to start against Slavia to get us through? And I guess, if, if not, what changes would you make, JB?
0: Ooh, good question from Hannes. Um, ooh, uh, right. I think that... I think Bellerin will start. Sorry, is this what would I do? Or what do I think will happen?
1: He said, Would you trust the same eleven? So it's probably a personal I uh, would would, would I trust
0: them? Yes, because as we discussed, Sheffield United are significantly better than me Slavia and, Prague.
1: For the listeners, me and JB had a big disagreement on this on this last night. Um I think Slavia Prague are a lot better than Sheffield United. JB thinks Sheffield United are better.
0: I know I'm I, right. I think based on the performance, based on what I saw from Slavia Prague on Thursday, I, my, my Sunday League team would give them a good a good <laughs> game down the uh, Hackney Marshes, and we lost on Sunday. May I add? No, um, to a very good side actually. But anyway, back to more important issues. Um, I would so so I would trust the side. I. As 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 good as he was against Sheffield United, I just think it's a game for Aubameyang to play against uh, over uh, ahead of Lacazette if he's fit. Mm. um, If he's not, then maybe Lacazette works if you have pace around him. Yeah, because I think the challenge against on Thursday was was the point I made on the spaces yesterday, which is that it was like with Giroud. If you don't put pace around him, you just play a high back line and you. It's easy, right? Mm. Um You don't want to play a high-back line against a side that's got Pepe and Martinelli on the pitch. Mm. So I think what we might see, and I don't know if it will happen, is basically Smith-Rowe or Odegaard in for Ceballos, Saka into that left-wing-back role, and Smith-Rowe or Odegaard at 10. And then you have Lacazette with... Erdegaard or Smith-Rowe and Pepe as your right three, you've got sorry, 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 you've got the right back with Erdegard and Pepe as your right three or, or Smith-Rowe and Pepe and then you've got Martinelli, Saka, Lacazette as your left three um, So you're putting now, Saka in for Ceballos? I think so but but I also think that we we probably will go back to the Cedric at left back thing just because i I don't know if you can get away with playing party as a one-man midfield against a a side as... Not as good as Slavi Prague, because as discussed, they're rubbish. As organised. They pressed the centre of midfield a lot, didn't they? They Yeah. I mean, mean, one way of getting around that is just not to have a midfield. But it doesn't sound smart when you have to win. Yeah. Yeah. What would you do? I would do what I sort
1: of alluded to earlier. I'd bring Saka... I'd take Martinelli out and put Saka where Martinelli was and gives that gives Shaka just a little bit more protection. And then I would bring in Smith Rowe or Odegaard into where Saka was, uh, whoever's the fittest, really, and keep the other one on the bench. Um, I think Arteta has a tendency when we have, no matter who's it against, when we have a positive result like we did on Sunday... To stick with it, he, he's named a couple of uh, unchanged 11s when we've had results like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if he just thinks, that confidence, the play, you know, the football was flowing, smiles were back on faces. I hear what he's saying about Aubameyang, but I just think Lacazette scoring twice changes that. The confidence is in him. You know, who knows where Aubameyang, Aubameyang is in his headspace at the moment. Do you
0: think, um, I don't know. I look. I my challenge on Saka would be. Do you think he's sharp, fit enough to kind of just run into channels all game? I I, I just worry that he's just not quite got the legs at the moment.
1: No, but I think that's why I'd have Saka ahead of him. Because when you're sort of pinned back, you've got him going, going back. I
0: don't. Do you think Saka
1: has the legs at the moment?
0: He's, he's just looked mm.
1: a bit tired, doesn't he? Maybe not, and we we don't know how bad his injury is. You know, hopefully, I'm hoping it's just a dead leg. It looked like a dead leg, but Arteta was didn't seem so confident on that. So yeah, we might not even be looking at Saka as an option. In that case, you probably do have to stick with with Cedric because I mean the other two options are Xhaka and Saka or a combination, as I'm talking about. Um, so you you have to stick with Cedric. What I would say is if we do do that, it's key to have a left footer ahead of Cedric, as I sort of said after Thursday. Having Willian ahead of Cedric was just a disaster in terms of build-up options and and just the whole structure of, of what we we used to doing and, and how we've been winning games before. So if we've got Cedric there, I'd have Pepe or Saka ahead of them. So you've got a natural left footer. Uh And then, yeah, I just think we need... We need smith or Odegaard in there in the middle as well as Saka in one of the wide areas if he's fit because we need to dominate the game much more than we did on Thursday.
0: Mm. Do you think if we played our under-17s, we'd still win? Your obsession with how bad Slavia Prague is pretty crazy. I, I mean, mean they
1: were really bad. They were bad, but that's what worries me because they're they're not I don't think they're going to be that bad again you know they've they've beaten Leverkusen they've beaten Leverkusen this season they've beaten Leicester over two legs who are a
0: much better team than us
1: they've beaten Rangers on you know it's a Scottish league but Rangers are a very confident team real Um,
0: question is can we be that bad again
1: you never know with this Arsenal team it's very possible we can be this bad again but um that takes us into predictions for Thursday. Do you think we're going to be this bad again? And do you th- <laughs> think we're going to advance? And, and what will the score be? Okay. So
0: I think that if we go back to Cedric at left back, etc., we will struggle. Mm. If we use the system we used against Sheffield United, we will win comfortably. So I... Th- Comfortably in Arsenal, are you sure? Yeah, because I think if we score early, it's over.
1: Um, but they only need one goal to take the next time. I, obviously, if we score two, they would need three because we'd have the right. uh, away. Well, goal. here's the
0: thing: Do you think he's gonna like? Logic says away game. You 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 go out to just score lots of goals. Because as yeah. soon as yeah, as soon as we score a second, everything swings right. Yeah, or even after we score a first. They're going to start
1: playing surely a bit more nervously, and and and,
0: and we're going to have to score regardless, right? Yeah.
1: Because otherwise we're out. So, and that's what I said after the game on Thursday. I think as as much of a sucker punch as Slavia's late goal was, I think we both said actually that like, we trust this team more from one all because if we were Which taking a one
0: nil lead, it's terrible. Because I, I feel like an insane person. Trying to argue that I like it's better. It sounds to Draw than to win. Yeah, because like obviously that's not true. But also it's Arsenal, and like there's there's some kind of logic there, which yeah. is like, I I trust us. Not that I trust us more. I would trust us less if we
1: were one 0 up. Mm. I would trust the players' me- mentality because we saw in the second leg against Olympiakos, they clearly thought the tie was over. And it nearly slipped away um, because of how they mentally approached the game. And I also think Arteta would have selected quite a negative lineup. He probably would have got Willian in there again, thinking, you know, we'll try and retain the ball. And he just would have been less brave with his selection. And I think now, as you say, he's got to be a bit more positive and select some attacking. So what's your score prediction? I think... We will win two one. Okay, interesting. Although I do feel like we might go for on away goals, so it might be two two. I feel like we've gone out on away goals enough that it's time for now we'll through it's it. It's time for some karma on away goals. So yeah, if we get that second goal, you as you say, we have to score. And if we score two, they'll need three. So it makes sense for us to, to go with positive um more attacking lineup. And yeah, I think 2 1 or 2 2, and we will go through. What was your? Did you mm. actually
0: predict the scoreline? No, I think no. we'll win 7 <laughs> no. No, I'm going to go for 3 1. Mm. Like, okay, look, I think there's like a 10% chance that we massively bottle it. Yeah, and there's always right. a significant and like i think but we're scoring right so i think the way we bottle it is like a one-all draw and then get screwed in extra time or on penalties but mm. like we're not not scoring but yeah. I-,
1: I could see extra time happening for sure it's very mm. possible mm. right have we got any more questions oh, yeah, i am going got with three one three one Right, so we both think we're going through. We're both positive on that front. Just before we go then, we've answered quite a few of your questions during the podcast, but I'll pick out one or two more. I'm going to combine these two. We've had a question from, well, as you've replied, JB, it's not really a question, but someone said, sign sell shaka ASAP in response to our... Request for yep. questions. And someone else said it's sort of linked. Um, JF at 244 said, realistic partner to parte next season. So a lot of people have talked about Basuma. There's a link to the other question. Um, I think just for me, instantly reflecting what we've talked about, we've got to really decide what the system is first because you know, we've talked about parte. Having the base to himself, and if that's the case, do we need more of an eight, uh, more of a sort of offensive eight, mm. and not a sort of Xhaka partner, or is it that we want to stick with this four-two-three-one? But is that getting? So I think the best that also depends
0: our- on that also depends on the Odegaard situation, right? Like, I yeah. think if you sign him, or if you try to sign him, if you sign him, it kind of mandates more of a two-three.
1: Mm. Yeah. Um, but he can
0: play as an it? I mean, Odegaard has played quite a
1: lot even alongside like in a forty three run, he's played like the Xhaka. Has he? Yeah. He's he's played plenty of games from deep. Um uh, I don't know. As as a sort of eight alongside a more defensive midfielder. In a more I'll defer to you on that, but I I feel like I've heard the opposite. But anyway. He can You're definitely right. He can definitely play. What I'm trying to say is he can definitely play in a four-three-three. Three. So if you had Partey sitting, mm. you can have Odegaard and someone else sort of Would you not league.
0: play him on the right of the front three there?
1: I'd play him as the right centre midfielder. Partey is the mm. I'd like to see us have Partey as the sole holder. Because I think he he plays his best football there. Yeah. Odegaard as the right centre midfielder and then someone new as that left centre midfielder Uh, and there's many options for who that could be but I'd like to see us build that way Um, I think that just makes us a more attacking team you know our offensive numbers are pretty terrible and I think it's about time we address that so if we're going to make a big signing I mean Odegaard would be a massive signing in itself and I think we probably wouldn't get anyone else significant in the centre midfield if we did that but you know in a dream world I would bring in a left-sided uh, sort of number eight that helped us be a more dominant team and, and improve our attacking numbers what about you?
0: Um, I, I think there's an increasing chance from the way we're playing and the way Arteta talks that Jacker is going to be an integral part of the team again next season hmm. So, yeah, I mean, look, I wonder, right? Um, I really like Basuma. I can't shake, like, I don't feel like our problems are defensive. Mm. I think if you um, sign
1: Basuma, you've got to give Partey a slightly different role because Partey. I mean, for
0: Ghana, yeah, it's but like uh, second but, striker. I know, but like, have we? I look from what I've seen at Arsenal. I don't want him near the box because he'll shoot. just shoot. Yeah, he does uh, have well, quite a few will, international he, he goals. Shoot. Yeah, yeah, but who who are the opponents?
1: Yeah, but I mean, f- for Arsenal, none of his shots have hit the target, have they? I don't think.
0: No, I mean, well, actually, in that case, the opponents don't matter, right? Well, you're <laughs> yeah. basically what you're saying is occasionally he'll hit the target. Um, you know, his pass, his pass. For the third goal yesterday it was amazing, right? But, but mm. that's the kind of move you make from deep, yeah, inherently. Yeah. Um, I just I just think like having party jacket and pursuma conceptually, like in a squad, especially if you had a Z. Like, I don't I I would rather I either want like an elite ball progressor, right? Like a press resistant dribbler,
1: mm. or
0: I want someone who's gonna get. Have have goal contributions mm. in in the final third, and yeah, I'm not going to say Aaron Ramsey himself, but <laughs> you know him or you know a a 2011 Jack Wilshere or um I don't know who else you know Gunduan like that's the type of player I would want. Mm. Yeah, I think for me it it just depends
1: on A, what happens with Xhaka and B, what is our system? You know, if is still here, which I expect he will be, he needs to decide on exactly what he wants his team to look like for the next few years and and not chop and change when things aren't working. We've got to, you know, make signings that that fit into that. So I think it's too early to to choose a specific name. and, And also the C factor is whether Odegaard um, joins permanently or joins on another loan. Mm. So cool. I think we'll wrap it up there because I think we've been going for about 45 minutes, which is our bite-sized
0: cap um for the pod. Not actually the Zoom limit because there's just two of us. So we could go forever. We could. Should we now do a 45-minute segment on Nicola Pepe? What do you <laughs> think? Be honest. Yeah, do that'll be think- on the Patreon ah good we've got to keep something back for the paywall (laughs) smart
1: right as jb mentioned a couple of times we are doing some twitter spaces straight after games and whether it's myself jb pet or carl a couple of us or all of us will be on uh twitter spaces after the game on thursday and we aim to look to do that after every game so Hopefully, we'll be doing it from the at fresh Arsenal pod account soon. But if you follow that, wherever it's happening, um, we will retweet it from there. So if you want to get involved, you know, we get people on to speak. If you've got something to say after the game, we've had some really good contributors, as JB said, we've had uh, a couple of dodgy ones, but on the whole, it's been a pretty positive.
0: Should we name the dodgy ones? <laughs>
1: I think it was the first ever
0: contributor, didn't we? We had a bit of a- someone came on claiming to be a drunk Everton fan. <laughs> yeah. Um oh yeah, it's possible that they, that was the case, and they ended up on our show accidentally. But mm. yeah, other than that, they've mostly been good. Mm.
1: I felt like Andy Goldstein when I was doing that on Talksport. It's like a better version of Talksport.
0: But you know, like people deliberately call people people. Surely, yeah. people pretend to be idiots when they call up Talksport. I think so. I think so well come on our
1: show and pretend to be an idiot if you want as long as you're reasonable
0: or be an actual idiot we don't judge we do judge but still
1: yeah so follow at fresh arsenal pod to keep up to date with those things happening head over to fresharsenal.com to find all the podcasts and more i've been pb he has been pb no one's going to understand why you're doing that because we talked But if about they it. if they have
0: <laughs> they wouldn't have got the first one but if they got they heard the first one they'd get the second one
1: and JB's been JB <laughs> Network.